and we'll see you guys next time. All right, that's the end of it. You guys got anything else? No? No, sir. All right, see you guys later. Adios. Um, I'm wondering what the storylines are going to be. Like, is it... John, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Specials. We are here today bringing you the second episode of the TVU Aftercast. And would you believe that, obviously, it hasn't been that long since we had the last Aftercast, because another thing has come up in the Batman Universe that my co-host and I have something to bitch about. So, joining me today, as usual, is... This is Joe. And this is John. And... The big topic of today's aftercast is September's Villain Month. As we talked about on the comic cast, the Villain Month is going to have uh, more comics than usual, but for whatever reason, the majority of the comics, by 55% majority, are going to be Batman-related books. Now, this includes anything that has Batman as the main character, as well as the Batman Universe characters playing supporting roles and titles as well. But there's 55% of the total number of books releasing in September is or features Batman or Batman characters. So let's go through just briefly what some of these books are going to be. So there's, instead of 52 books for the month of September, there's actually 56 for whatever reason. Of these 56 books, 16 of them will feature Batman as the main character. There are no allies who will have their own titles. There is a total of 14 other books that Batman characters will also appear in, including Teen Titans, Just League, Just League of America, Just League Dark, and a new miniseries called Forever Evil. In addition to that, there's outside of the 56 titles that are part of the New 52, there's actually a total of 85 titles, including the trade paperbacks for the month. And of those, we have 10 trade paperbacks featuring Batman or Batman-related characters, as well as seven other miniseries in one way, shape, or form, including Injustice, Batman Black and White, which is a new series that's kicking off in September as well. We also have Batman Arkham Origins, Batman 66, Legends of the Dark Knight, so forth and so on. So if you are a collector and you are buying all of the Batman books, let's just say you were sticking with just the Batman books, and you were doing the main the main Batman titles, the Allies, and you were doing the, the seven other series, you'd have a pretty hefty price tag, but out of all of the books that normally release, let's just talk about what you guys normally buy on a monthly basis outside of what's going to release in September. Well, I get all of the Batman titles that we cover on the comic podcast, obviously. I also get Justice League, Justice League Dark, Justice League of America, Swamp Thing, Animal Man, Flash, and I, I think that's it. I'm getting Superman Unchained, unfortunately, but they suckered me into that. But I believe that's all of the DC books that I get. 
I'm actually a bit more selective. I pick up Batman, Detective Comics, um, Nightwing, Green Arrow, Justice League, Justice League of America, and the Teen Titans, primarily because they focus on the characters that I have an interest in. The rest don't necessarily interest me that much. Right, so on a month-to-month basis, I buy all of the main Batman titles that we cover on the podcast. I also buy all of the mini-series or maxi-series at this point, some of them are maxi-series, of all of those other books, like the the tie-ins to the video games, the tie-ins to the TV shows when they have books for that. I buy... Also, as we know, there's variant covers for a lot of the Batman books, and I normally always buy the 1 in 25 variant covers, mostly because outside of the 1 in 25s, there's the 1 in 10s, which I also buy, but the, most of the time they're 1 in 25s. The 1 in 200s, I don't buy my comics from a place that orders 200 issues of a comic, so it's almost impossible to get those. And I really despise DC for doing those 1 in 200 because it's impossible to then have every single issue, as I am a very large completist. But nonetheless, on average, uh, what I spend month to month uh, is probably somewhere between $80 and $100 a month on comics. But I stick to that. I also buy Green Arrow. That's the only other series that I that I buy outside of the Batman books. I do read a number of other series, but I don't I don't buy them. I normally read them in the comic shop. So if you were going to be just buying books in September, and you were buying the 16 main Bat titles, now this is the four issues of Detective Comics, Batman, Batman the Dark Knight, and Batman and Robin, as well as the seven other mini-series, and that's all you were buying, without tax or, you know, any kind of loyalty discounts, you'd be spending $84.77 just for those books. Now, this isn't even including the other books out there. As you guys just mentioned, you pick up other titles too, so, I mean, what do you think about the fact that it's going to, you know, September is going to be a ridiculously open up your wallets and hand us your cash month? Especially since all of these books are carrying at least a $3.99 cover price because of these special lenticular covers that they're saying is some new technology, which I do not believe whatsoever. I think it's ridiculous the amount of money that I'm going to have to pay. I'm actually having to get a job this summer just to pay for the amount of comics that I'm going to need to get in September. And I know some people sitting at home just going like, well, don't get them then, but... You know, for the podcast, at least I have to get all the Batman ones and then several of the other ones I'm interested in and uh, don't have the willpower to not pick them up. Not only is the amount of one shots and stuff, as in the, you know, four Batman titles, four Dark Knight ones, but there's like, I think there's three actual one shots. Necessary Evil, the villains is one I'm looking at right now. It's the start of the Forever Evil miniseries, which I'm going to have to pick up. So I'm going to have to spend a lot of money this month. The fact that they're pushing everything up a dollar, at least they're pushing all the two ninety nine books up a dollar so that we're paying an extra dollar for that, the gimmick, which is the cover. I think they will look pretty cool, but it's hard to tell until we actually get them. Thankfully, the three ninety nine books aren't actually being pushed up another dollar, so we're only paying the extra money on the two ninety nine books, but considering most of the books that we pick up are two ninety nine anyway, we're still 
having to spend a lot more money just for those books. And it might seem cool, but I, I, I'm having a hard time trusting DC at the moment because of the Superman Unchained issue number one, where it's like, oh yeah, hey, is it four ninety nine for this comic book with a cool pull-out poster, which was not cool at all. <laughs> and I'm still angry that I had to spend money for that gimmick. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I understand that, you know, DC is a business and their business is to make money. But frankly, putting it all up to three ninety nine and then releasing umpteen titles that they know collectors are going to have to buy that I've got a sneaky suspicion they probably weren't ever releasing trade paperback. It just smacks of kind of kicking your fans in the face, really, and just going, as you said, open up your wallets and let me rifle through it. And especially when you're putting the price up and all you're getting is a special cover, it just... I mean, if they were charging me three ninety nine for... A bigger, uh, you know, if they'd gone, well, we're releasing bumper editions of everything and they're going to be 80 page giants over all of them. I wouldn't have a problem with that because I'm getting extra content. All I'm getting is a special cover that frankly, I'm going to look at and go, well, that looks quite nice. But after you've bought the 84th book, you're just going to go, I've really stopped caring about this cover. This it's it's not a good enough gimmick in my opinion to justify even close to the price rise that they're demanding and i mean we saw this happen with dc last time they they put the price up and then they went oh but we're putting the backup we were going to bring back the backups and it didn't go very well because i seem to remember a sort of a about a year later they dropped it again and brought the prices back down I don't think it even lasted a year. I think it even lasted six months. So I'm not too sure how... I mean, diehard fans will buy it, but I think new fans and people who have been reading for a year or two years are, are really likely to be put off this price increase and probably aren't actually going to go out and get them. I feel that I'm probably going to be playing devil's advocate a lot in this podcast because, I mean, John mentioned that he recognizes DC as a business. But you just said that you feel like they're kicking us in the face. I think it's more that they're just taking advantage of the fact that they know people will buy it. And whether you think that's like a bad thing to do because, you know, people are going to buy everything and then having to spend more money and in a way you can't help yourself. Because I've seen people, especially for like Death of the Family, I, I saw someone when I was in my comic shop just come in, pick off every Batman title, take it and then, and then walk out, even things like Talon and, and tie-ins to, to it, like stuff like that. So I think that, like, I want DC to succeed because they're selling the books that I want to read. Sometimes it's a bit annoying the way that they handle their business practices, but I do recognize that at the end of the day, that that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to stay afloat and they need to keep bringing in people in. I think that the covers, as much of a gimmick as they are, I think they will bring in other people. But I'm thankful that, I don't really read, I don't, well, I don't read Marvel books because like, from what I understand, most of their books are three ninety nine anyway, and they're the same length as a standard comic, just 22 pages of story. So I, I do appreciate that DC, for the most part, sell them at the standard to, like, to a cheaper rate. 
you know, here's the thing. You know, I I am 100% in agreement as far as DC is a business and they have to make money. But the thing is, this is them cashing in on the fact. This is not them cashing in or trying to get more buyers or more fans. This is them cashing in on the collectors who specifically collect the every single issue every single month. Because the fact that they eliminated titles like Talon, Birds of Prey, Catwoman that aren't selling extremely high, and they're only keeping the titles that have the higher sales like Batman, Detective Comics, Justice League, Justice League of America, these titles that, you know, regularly have high number sales, like probably within the top 25, they're eliminating those, they're eliminating everything but those books, and then in turn, jacking the price up a dollar on most of those. Now, yeah, I know that Batman and Detective Comics, they have backups, so they're normally three ninety nine. so you're not actually going to pay any more, which is a plus, but I also doubt that you're going to get a backup in those books as well. So, you know, their reason for making the price three ninety nine was for the backup, and then in turn, we're not going to see the backup. You're, we're probably going to see a standard size comic with this special cover on all of them. Now, the people who walk in and they only buy Batman, they only buy Detective, well, they're going to walk walk in four weeks in a row and be buying books. So that's, you know, three more books that they would normally wouldn't be buying, which, you know, is a benefit to DC. Do I think that DC is is smart by doing this? Yes, I do think that they're really smart. This is kind of business smart because they're really concentrating on the books that they know will sell. And they know that people will buy them. And they're eliminating everything else out there so that everybody buys the books that everybody wants to buy. So basically all of the sales for all of the other books that aren't so high, all the people who do buy those may check out something that is, you know, one of these other titles. The problem that I have is people like myself, and I know that I'm not alone out there who have to have every single issue of specific series, they're they're cashing in because they're specifically doing these special covers, which, yes, they may get some people, you know, some people who are browsing the comic shop and see these covers and be like, holy cow, that looks really cool. I'm going to buy that. That might be the case, but I, I'm a little doubtful as to, you know, how many people are going to look at a cover and say, wow, this is a really cool cover. I'm going to pay $4 for this. You know, the thing is, I know that people do it all the time when they buy Marvel books. I know that that's, that's, you know, a common practice if you collect Marvel comics. But I just find it hard to believe that Joe Schmo walking into a comic shop is going to say, yeah, let me blow $4 for this, this book just because of this cover that changes when I turn it. But I think with Marvel, you know, the joke is that you're, you're paying the extra dollar or pound so everything stays in continuity. But I th- it's not going to, attract new fans and because like you say you know average joe isn't going to pick up every single comic but i don't think even necessarily collectors except for the really serious ones the ones who pick up everything and have to pick up everything are going to bother picking up everything i mean i'm not i you know i I consider myself an average batman fan and I have other hobbies and other interests outside of DC Comics, and I can't afford to pick up all of them. And in the middle of a recession, I don't know how many other people would be able to afford to pick up every single one. I think people 
might pick up a few extra that they're interested in, but people have got mortgages to pay. People have got bills to pay. They can't, not everyone can sort of, I'm, I, I'm kind of assuming DC is sort of doing, which is assuming that people are able to spend hundred, two hundred dollars or pounds on comics for this month. Not everybody can do it. I certainly can't afford to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think the average Batman fan or average DC fan is going to, to either. But I think as well, the fact that actually the majority of these comics that are selling well, and they dropped a lot of the ones that aren't selling well. The fact that the majority of these are Batman related as well actually probably isn't marketing smarts because to me that just says DC have given up on to, on their favorite character, on, on the other characters and are only focusing on Batman because it sells well, which to me just actually shows the fact that the weakness of the rest of the line you know, if, if, if Batman, and I mean, you're looking at almost half of the comics coming out being Batman related. Well, the issue then becomes why aren't the rest of your characters selling? And that would be better business smarts, in my opinion, if they went, well, Batman sells really well. That's fine. But what can we do to get all these other comics up there? And then you're going to have higher sales all throughout the year rather than trying to generate high sales in September, which they seem to like doing for some reason. I actually just had a look and Dustin, you're right. They are standard 22 page stories in the regular 399 books. But, um, I think going along with what John was just saying, I think the way that this is being done, because they're not, it's not a giant crossover event. It's just kind of. An event, I guess, but more of a, just a thing that's happening. Even though there's, they're called like point one, point two, point three, point four, they don't, I believe, run into each other. So I think there is the opportunity to pick and choose. Like, for instance, I read Justice League. So looking at the four Justice League titles, I, I'm going to pick up the dial E because it's got art by Jeff Lemire, Jock and Alberto Ponticelli, who are three artists that I really like, but I'm not going to pick up the secret society because like the characters in it don't really interest me and, and none of the creators do. So I think that's how I'm going to be, I'm going to have to pick and choose how I want to do things first. Does the character interest me? And then do the creative teams, because if there's like someone I don't like on it, like if Anne Lacenti is going to be writing any of these issues, even to character that I actually like, I'll probably be avoiding it because I haven't liked any of the work I've actually read from her so far. And that gets into our next point is the fact that like some of these books you know, we have Batman and we have Detective Comics, Batman the Dark Knight, and Batman Robin. And all of these books, for whatever purpose, all of these titles have, you know, an onslaught of writers who are not necessarily writing Batman books currently. And I'm wondering what the decision was to do this. I noticed from the list of solicitations that Kyle Higgins is not writing a book at least out of the main 16 bad books, which I found a little interesting. Gail Simone is writing a book. She's focusing her story on this new ventriloquist character that she's created in Batgirl, even though it's not the classic ventriloquist, which doesn't make any sense to me as why they would dedicate an entire issue to a character that's new and not an established character since there are so many established characters. 
And then we have a number of writers that have nothing to do with Batman books. They have may have written Batman books in the past or, you know, may be working on some of the smaller miniseries that are outside of the continuity. But I just wondered what you guys thought as far as, like, the idea of let's give all of these writers a chance to write a Batman story featuring, you know, a big baddie from the Batman universe. But let's also give them a story that's part of one of the four major titles that DC's releasing. I don't recognize half of the creators, whether that's just my ignorance or if these are newer people perhaps. And it's that if they're newer people, then it could be a good opportunity for them to get some exposure. If they're people that I don't recognize, then clearly they're not top creators, at least in none of the stuff that I read. So if it's supposed to be something to gain new readers, you would have thought you'd put your top talent in there. There are people like Scott Snyder, who's doing one issue. I'm actually lo- really looking forward to the Joker issue because it's a whole issue of Andy Clark artwork. So some of them I am looking forward to, but it's more the ones where I recognize the creator as someone I really like. Yeah, I think it's a really clever idea to get new writers, and it's a nice way of getting a load of people and seeing if anyone's popular, seeing if anybody writes really well or draws really well, and seeing feedback and and looking at new talent. But then at the same time, I kind of think, well, what you could do instead is just have an issue that is a one-shot, it's separate from everything else. It can be something that rotates, that you have a different creative team on each month or each week. You know, maybe make it slightly cheaper and have it come out each week so you've got a different writing team. Or, or give new creative teams and give them one of the annuals rather than having Scott Snyder write all of them and then do the annual. Have Scott Snyder write the main story and have the annuals done by new creative teams. I mean, because that was always what Batman Chronicles was about, was having a story that a, a comic that sort of tied into what was going on in main continuity, but was an opportunity for a lot of new writers new artists or artists who wanted to try their hand at writing, writers who wanted to try their hand at being an artist, and gave them an opportunity to, to do so. And I I think that was a good thing. And I, I always sort of thought that was a nice thing that, that DC did. And I'd like to see it come back rather than have a one-shot month where you throw as many writers at a wall and see who sticks. Well, I would say that that's kind of what Legends of the Dark Knight is at the moment, the digital first series. Admittedly, you can't really tell big stories in there, but it's the chance to tell a short story, especially if you're an up-and-comer. And even the 80-page Giants, I don't think we've had one in a while, but that, again, was an opportunity for people to write their own short Batman stories. But see, there was, at one point, there was a lot of different series that gave writers the opportunity at one point, and they didn't always necessarily tie in completely with the main continuity, but in some cases they did. There was Gotham Knights, there was Gotham Central at a point, there was Legends of the Dark Knight, Batman Confidential was another one where it was short contained stories giving writers the opportunity. And yes, they have done that with Legends of the Dark Knight currently as, you know, as it's the digital first series and then they're they're printing the stories collected in these print issues. But the thing is, like, there really isn't a whole lot of opportunities. I don't know. DC is making this big deal about how many people are reading the digital comics. And I see that's great because, you know, digital rea- in the reality, digital is a way that everything's going to go. 
as such a downfall as it is to me as a collector, you know, digital will be the way that everything will eventually go. I think that DC in one way or another is inflating these digital numbers because it's insane how much issues they're saying are actually selling. And to me, it just comes off as like, yeah, that, that's, that doesn't really seem extremely feasible. I mean, they were saying something, I can't remember exactly what the numbers are, and I, I don't really want to say what I think they were because I could be off. But, like, what I read was that, you know, digital has been great. They're doing all these, they want to try all these new digital initiatives because digital comics are so great and, you know, they're bringing in tons of money. You know, then that's great for DC, but, what does that actually do for anybody else who doesn't read the digital comics? It's basically like you're left in the dust because you're behind the times. So just get used to it. Yeah, but that, I think that the problem is not just, I would argue that's not just a problem with DC. It's just a problem with a lot of companies, especially in the music and movie industry in general, which is everything is going digital or everything is going Blu-ray. And if you don't like it, tough and they're going to hurtle off in that direction and i can kind of slightly see where they're coming from there are a lot of benefits for digital comics but like you said they do risk alienating their average fans i mean not everybody has an ipad or has access to a computer where they can read the comics so you're limiting your audience already which is why i still think it would be better if rather than having Legends of Dark Knight as a digital only, have it as a weekly comic and just put it out and put it out for one ninety nine and have a you know twenty pages or whatever. And I think it I, I think it would sell because people would want to pick up new writers and, and see new talent. So the really the last thing that we have to talk about is the fact that John kind of hinted at it already is the fact that you know do they have a lot of faith in their other characters if they if the majority of the books that they're releasing do in fact feature Batman as a character you know of the 56 titles that they're going to be releasing 30 of them are going to have Batman characters or be Batman main books so this is a company who really wants to create you know, a library of characters, which they already have a library of characters, but as we've seen since the New 52 has started, they've kind of ignored a lot of characters. They've given some characters a chance, they didn't pan out, and then they just said, okay, we're giving up on these characters. So it seems that DC in general has been doing this a lot, where, you know, they're putting a lot of focus on characters that are already established, and this isn't anything new, this isn't anything that's really outside the box, Marvel does the exact same thing where they focus on, you know, their established characters a lot more so than the other average characters. But at the same point, knowing that DC wants to do a Justice League movie in, well, they say by 2015. Yeah, like I said, I've said numerous times on the normal cast, we'll see if that actually happens. Do you think that it's likely that everything that they're doing on the comic side of everything is actually enabling them to be able to put out the Justice League movie, or do you think it's a hindrance? That's an interesting point. I I didn't look at it in that way. I was just looking at it as DC promoting their best-selling character just because, you know, you sell more Batman, you get more money because Batman sells. And I do get turned off by the oversaturation of Batman in everything. I mean, it's great to be able to walk into just, like, any clothing shop or something and to see from like a t-shirt to a pair of socks with Batman on them. I think that's pretty cool as a fan, but at the same time, it can get too much. And 
people will start getting turned off. Like I, I am a self-confessed, self-hating contrarian. I don't like the fact that I get turned off when something becomes too popular. So I, I do my best to get around that. But at the same time, I recognize that I am one. And I know there are lots of people out there like that. And I think if you keep shoving Batman down people's throats, they're going to get put off by him. Equally, if you're not, like you were saying, if you're not promoting your other characters and saying, all right, you know how cool Batman is, but look how cool Green Lantern is. Forget the film. I know you didn't like that, but look how cool he can be. Look at Wonder Woman. She's badass. If you don't start promoting these other characters and really putting them out there, I mean, they are pop culture icons, especially Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. So you need to like start looking at Flash and Aquaman, like people who don't even read comics think that Aquaman's a joke. And I mean, that's being turned around now. There's enough people saying, actually, have you read Aquaman? He is a badass. But you've got to start putting that out there. Like, there's so many jokes on Big Bang Theory about how lame Aquaman is. And I think DC need to start rectifying that and showing how cool their characters are if they want to lead up to a Justice League film. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. It's, you know, it's a massive hindrance. If your main two characters, and I think you know, as we discussed on, on the normal cast regularly, the two big characters are Batman and Superman. Frankly, they're going to sell no matter what you do. And if you're not promoting your other characters, then you start to lose not only the ability, if you, if as they keep saying, they keep going, well, we want to do a Justice League movie. We really want, we're going to do a Justice League movie. Justice League movie, it's round the corner. And if you're not got an established fan base, already for the characters that you're going to put into the Justice League movie, it's just not going to work. You're not going to have what I presume is what they're going to want to be doing and having a big franchise like Marvel where they do all the offshoots. So you have a really successful Wonder Woman film, you have a really successful Green Lantern film, you have a really successful Flash film, Martian Manhunter film. You know, it really it goes way beyond just the one film. But if you don't promote those characters at a grassroots level with the fans and encouraging new people to read them, those films will at best never get made and at worst flop really, really badly. What's probably more worrying as well is if you only focus on those things that have been successful, you really start to narrow the base where you can make money. If DC is resting essentially on the... the two stands of Superman and Batman, and it's clear that they are, you know, when you look at how many Batman comics that they're releasing in September, if one of those fails, you're going to have a massive problem. It's much better to have those characters that aren't doing as well being pushed to the fore much more and being publicised more and being having people in, you know, being encouraged to read them than it is just putting all your eggs into one basket and then hoping that the anvil that's hanging above it doesn't drop. You know, I mean, you saw it with Swamp Thing. Scott Snyder was on that. And, you know, I don't think many people really knew much about Swamp Thing, but they put Scott Snyder on there. He wrote really good stories and it became really popular. And it's not that difficult to do with the other characters, but they just don't seem to want to. They just focus on Batman and Superman and it, it can get really tiresome quite quickly. Yeah, I think that it really just comes down to the fact that, like, you know, I've said this multiple times in the past when we talked about the Justice League movie on the normal cast. It really comes down to nobody will recognize these characters if DC doesn't put effort into these characters. They're putting 
there a lot of effort into characters that already exist, that are already established, that have a large fan base. Batman has a ridiculously large fan base. Superman has a ridiculously large fan base. If you head to a third world country and you show somebody a picture of Batman or Superman, they're going to know who it is. But if you show them a picture of Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, are they going to know who these people are? Probably not. They might know maybe one or two, maybe Wonder Woman, maybe Flash, but they're not going to know who these people are. They need to build a wider range of awareness for their characters and part of that, yes, has to do with the movies. They, you know, they need to do the movies, but they're going to look at it from the pers- the business aspect. And the business aspect is they need to be able to make money on the movies. Otherwise, it's not worth doing the movies. And the way DC is going about introducing these characters to the world is not actually helping these characters or helping any future ideas of these characters getting movies or singular movies. A Justice League movie may work, but as I've stated on the normal cast, it will only work if it is focusing on Batman and Superman mostly, with all of these other characters just being supporting characters, because there's not a ridiculously large fan base for them. And I'm not saying that there's not fans out there who like Wonder Woman, who like Aquaman, who like Green Lantern. I know there's fans out there. The problem is that the mass audience that a blockbuster movie would be, you know, being marketed towards, these characters are not as well known. And that's the biggest problem. And everything that DC is doing by focusing only on certain characters or giving a lot of attention to only certain characters is really hindering them. I mean, Marvel has got some crazy stuff that they're doing with their movies. They're coming up with characters that, you know, I personally, who don't, I don't read Marvel comics. I don't have, want to have anything to do with Marvel comics. I do watch their films, but the, the thing is, like, some of the movies that they're coming out with are so outside the box of what you would expect, like, this Guardians of the Galaxy, I had no idea who they were until I looked it up after they announced it because it was just so outside of left field that it it was unbelievable that they would be doing something like this. They've talked about doing Doctor Strange and Iron Fist, and honestly, some of those characters, or even Black Panther, some of those characters, in my mind, are so low on the totem pole compared to like some really big-name characters that it's insane that they're going to do the movies and just bank on the fact that, you know, they'll be able to make money on these movies, but DC, who has all of these characters, like Flash, like Wonder Woman, like Aquaman, you know, they can't, they can't do anything with them. And part of it has to do with the fact that they're limited by how much Warner Brothers actually allows them to do because they're owned by Warner Brothers, but it just is so absolutely ridiculous how the, the comic industry is the only thing that can actually propel these characters to the public and if they don't do well, and the sad part is, you know, we had, and, and, and the worst part about it is a couple of years back, we had Jeff Johns and Green Lantern, Green Lantern, well, Jeff Johns just came off of Green Lantern, but he was on Green Lantern, revitalized the entire Green Lantern franchise, uh, enough to have, to warrant Warner Brothers to greenlight a Green Lantern movie, and then in turn, the movie did not so well. And part of it had to do with the fact that they just didn't do a good movie. You know, it had its moments here and there, but the majority of the movie just fell flat. So, realistically, you know, they did, they played the game once. They had a really good franchise that was doing, that was really successful in the comics. They greenlit a movie, you know, spent enormous amount of money putting the movie together and marketing it, and then it fell flat. And it's like, you know, how many times are they going to do that 
before they just say, you know what, maybe we should move on from these superheroes, which is, it's sad, especially for us who are DC fans, but like, that's the reality. The reality is that, you know, they need to possibly, maybe what they should be considering is taking some of these writers that are writing the comic books and having them do some of the movies. And they have had that, they did that with Jonah Hex in Green Lantern, but there also needs to be a, a translation. So bef- before I get too much into the Justice League, which I've already spent way too much time talking about it, it really just comes down to the fact that DC needs to figure out a way to, you know, make their characters more well-known. The The best thing that they had going for them was it's been almost 10 years since Justice League and Justice League Unlimited were on the air, and they were introducing new characters left and right. We just had Young Justice, who was also introducing characters left and right, and how does the comics play into that to build the characters up to make them more well-known? They had one series dedicated to Young Justice that, you know, was lucky if it broke the one the top 100 comics for the month, and that was it. And it's just it just comes down to one of those things where it's like, you know, where were those characters that were popping up in the TV show that were extremely popular? Where were they in the comic books? They weren't. The only thing I would say that could be paving the way towards that is video games. Admittedly, like Arkham Asylum, that is, again, Batman. But with things like uh, Injustice, Gods Among Us, that is at least paving the way in some way towards building popularity of the characters. Lego Batman, that kind of had the plot of the Justice League film, which you're pitching with focusing mostly on Batman and Robin and Superman, and then the Justice League kind of popping later. The Scribblenauts game, which got released, that I, I believe is targeted again at a younger audience. So I, I think there's a chance for that. It would be great if DC could get on the phone with, was it Rockstar or... Rocksteady. Rocksteady. It's to produce another game, not about Batman, but about Flash or Green Lantern or Wonder Woman. And I think there was rumor of that. But if that... Because I think games are a great way to build popularity because they're so cinematic now anyway that they are almost like playable films. And I think that going down that route... But I mean, we're talking about the comics as well, and that's where it all needs to start. But I think there are there are ways to build these characters' popularity. All right, so with that, that's everything we've got for this aftercast. Obviously, there's always stuff that is going to be upsetting regarding the Batman universe, but if you guys think of, you, the listeners, think of anything that you would like us to talk about or have a, a lengthier discussion about, email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net and let us know what you think we should discuss on one of our aftercasts. We are planning on doing one at least once every two months, but you know, things come up and then all of a sudden then there's another reason to do one. So if you have an idea or something's really pressing that you'd like us to discuss because it's a frustrating topic, send it to us and, and maybe we'll consider doing it on a future episode. I want to remind everybody to head over to the website for all the latest news related to movies, merchandise, TV, video games, and the comics. You can also check out all the other podcasts we have to offer, including the Bat Fans, Backworld Oracle, and Taking Flight all right there on the website. In addition to that, you can check out our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages for all the latest news and videos from the Batman universe, including our Facebook group where you can discuss things with other Bat fans. You can leave us comments in the section below the podcast post, and as I mentioned, you can email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. That is everything. This is Dustin. This is John. This is John. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Aftercast. See you guys next time. Stop this, stop